You are listening to an SAFM podcast, 104 to 107 nationwide. Stream us live on www.safm.co.za or via the SABC Plus app. SABC News, independent and impartial. Yes, Elvis. So it has been widely reported that there was maladministration, if not fraud, at uh, Payotrans. And it is unfortunate because Business Rescue should have been the nominated choice a long time ago. Mm. And the directors were under the statutory obligation to either file for Business Rescue and if not, inform all of the creditors in terms of a notice which we refer to as a Section 129, bracket 7 notice, informing the creditors of the, of the financial standing of Payotrans and the reason for not filing for business rescue. Notwithstanding this, and we know a lot of creditors, the court papers them itself describe the extent, and I do not believe it is the true extent, of the financial inability of the entity to, to pay its creditors. So business rescue, of course, is going to be the regime to try and rehabilitate the entity. But what specific allegations of mismanagement and, and maladministration that you're referring to were presented to the Gauteng High Court, prompting that decision to place Paratrans under business rescue? Well, you've got to consider that the courts are less concerned about the allegation and more concerned about whether the entity is a candidate for business rescue. And the test for the court would simply be whether the company is chronically or uh, ill to such an extent that it cannot file for business rescue. But the court then ruled that this company is a candidate for business rescue. And the extent of what you're looking for will only be made available after what we call a Section 141 investigation. My appointment is only sanctioned after the court order and approval by the CIPC. I will then commence with the investigation and that report will be contained in the business rescue plan. It will be a detailed report giving a timeline of the, the, the scenario and the events that led to this company going into business rescue. Mm-hmm. Whether it was fraud, whether it was uh, maladministration, non-disclosure of material facts, all of that will become uh, profoundly no, mm-hmm. you know, noted. In the report. So, how will the business rescue process now impact the day-to-day operations of Ria via the bus system, and and what measures are now in place to ensure that there is minimal disruption to public transportation services in Johannesburg? So, I've already negotiated with the supplier of, of fuel that he will continue supplying fuel on what we term PCF, uh, post commencement finance, which is a super preference creditor. And that will make sure that the the buses then continue. I am in the process of having discussions with the city of Johannesburg. I will uh, will shortly meet with the unions and the drivers to make sure that we do not disrupt. We have no intention of disrupting the operational uh, fragment of of the buses itself. Uh, I am shortly to meet with men as well to get more buses on the road so that this could be resolved. I'm also going to implement stringent internal control systems, and I will also dissolve the board, which means that I will take full control of, of the board of Payotrans. Bi- 
Mm-hmm. So, considering the public nature of Piotrans and its impact that Ria Viaba system will have, how will you communicate those findings of the forensic audit to the public and the stakeholders transparently? Yes, well, remember, uh, business rescue is a creditor-driven process. Any stakeholder has a right to see that. So, the first thing that I've done immediately after the court order was to create a creditor's forum. And I will notify them in real time exactly what is happening. As it happens, we will notify them. I've already communicated with SARS this morning. And as you know, we're at a time when it's all on, everyone is on holiday. Mm. But I've already communicated with the city. I've communicated with SARS. And I'm certain that the minute they're back in office, they will, they will start communicating back with me. But all of this will be made available. The reports, the plan will all be made available. Mr. Tayyab, can you just maybe give us a brief sense in terms of what was Rio Via like in terms of stock, which was buses, and, uh, and the running of the company when it started and where it is now? So, as you know, it was supposed to have been a successful BEE venture. And at its peak, it was over 100 buses. And it was doing relatively well. As we currently stand, we only have 35 operational buses. Two of them have have now been reconditioned, which will take us up to 37. And we are in the process of getting four more reconditioned. That will take us up to close to 40. Ideally, we need to get back to 60 at least for it to be very, very profitable. And that's exactly where we we want to be. Uh, Hence, I say that we will be meeting with men to get more buses on the road. Mm-hmm. And how did it get to this point? And who's responsible and who and which heads should roll in this particular point? Well, the, previ- the current board, the previous board, and everyone that have, has unlawfully benefited. My, my, my opinion, Prima Faki, there was absolutely no proper controls in place. There were agreements that were signed that made no commercial sense. And there were payments made that should not have been made. And I intend to recover every single payment from every uh, particular individual that was involved to the extent that I may even approach the court to hold these directors to be delinquent. And and when I say, um, you know, how did it get here from 100 buses to 35, what happened? What transpired? Well, if if your outflows are more than your inflows, then you do not have any further funds for capex, for maintenance, and this is exactly where it's going to draw you. Mm-hmm. So in terms of uh, your clawback, in terms of the buses required that you say you want to take to 60, how long will that period take? And in terms of feeder buses, when are they expected to resume or come back? So w- the one advantage we have in business rescue is that there the is a ring fencing of creditors. And the minute there is a ring fencing of creditors, means that I do not have to use funds to pay creditors. Now, that will form part of the plan itself. But I will enter into new agreements with the creditors that are essential to our services so that I could continue. And I intend plowing these profits back into the entity to bring it back to where it's supposed to be. And, and, and yes. of course, all exp- all um, uh, salaries which is bloated, which are bloated at the moment will be renegotiated. So there'll be a full a moratorium on everything. And just finally, I intend to stop all the bleed. Yes. So finally, what role can forensic auditing then play in restoring the public trust in Empire Trances, uh, particularly regarding the status as a model of South Africa's Black Economic Empowerment Initiative? Okay. So 
I'm fortunate enough to be a forensic auditor and a senior business rescue practitioner. Section 141 of the Act demands that an investigation be done, which means that I do not have to give this, in, this exercise out to any audit firm because I'm qualified to do so myself. So the company will, will save quite a bit of funds, and this report will, will identify individuals, the extent of impropriety and the values there, which will, which of course, to an extent, are well laid criminal charges where criminal culpability is there, and there will also be civil litigation to recover those funds mm-hmm. from parties who have unduly benefited from this, because it has to come back into the company. I thank you so much for that update. Senior Business Rescue Practitioner and Specialist Forensic Auditor, Mahir Tayyab, chatting to us. You can find SAFM Current Affairs on 104 to 107 nationwide. Our podcasts are available for download on all our digital platforms. SAFM, leading the conversation.